I know you're probably more on my level that it was nice to see this. Dude, I am so far out on your level, Chris, that I, I might call my level. I think <laughs> you're that, hijacking uh, my level. Exactly, man. Well, it, it'll be a, a joint. A joint level. We'll yeah, it. it'll be a joint level. I mean, not so fast, Chris. Not so fast, my <laughs> friend. Is it better to have a cool ass mascot or an mascot mascot that nobody knows what it is? <laughs> Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today I have Brian. Hey, good to be here. And TJ. What's up, Vandals? And uh, we're doing, uh, per vote from you guys, a little FCS midseason review after we covered the Bengals, so we had to bring Kyler Neal on just to make sure we're all straight and narrow and giving you correct information here. Kyler, how are you doing today? Good, last place in Palouse, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, it's a good place to be. We're <laughs> used to it. Uh, reminder that today's episode is brought to you, as always, by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is, when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of profits back to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs, and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for Pow Pow Rippers, Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Bungled Bangles, 45-21 win at home on homecoming. We decided we have the best dome, taking out the in-state rivals from Polka, Yella Chitello. Guys, what a game. As TJ would say, we beat, who did we beat, TJ? Pokey who? No, I was thinking the I screwed oh, up. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we beat I screwed up University. TJ, take us away. What did you see? It felt like a different feel in the uh, Kibbe Dome, that's for sure. Um, it just seemed like every player stepped up. I know you touch on it all the time. You say we're a different team in the Dome, and I think everyone kind of takes that with a grain of salt. Like, all right, Chris, like, sure we are. But it seemed like we were in a different different kind of atmosphere, different kind of place, and everyone stepped up. Um, I mean, just kind of some highlights to touch on people. Jeff Cotton made this game look extremely easy. Um, I know we were watching this together, and, it, it, you know, some of those catches, some of those routes look like, you know, looking at the talent that he's facing is a little bit different, but he looks like he's ready for, you know, maybe the next step, next level with the way he's played it. Um, but as well as the defense, um, obviously Lloyd Hightower, the defensive player of the week, came up with that big pick. Um, love watching Charles O'Connor chuck. Um, it's really sad, kind of his injury. And then that other interception to the house, which is awesome to see, too. Um, but just every single angle that the Vandals were coming from seemed like everyone stepped up in a big way. Um, so that was huge. And, and it seemed like the Dome was filled. Um, I know there was some attendance things to look at, which we'll touch later. But uh, it seemed like it was rocking there and, and a fun environment and a great game to watch on route. I was excited to watch that. Yeah, Brian, what did you see from the game? So th- there were two big things. One, the offense. You know, we'll get into greater detail on this later, but – with Colton Richardson stretching the field, we got to see what Jeff Cotton looks like when when he has an entire field to work with, and damn, he's good. 170, I believe, it was 176 yards receiving in the first half. Mm-hmm, by halftime. Uh, but also, also Colton had a great 
great game before he went down with an injury. Uh, we outgained the, the Bengals through the air by two yards, but also on the ground by almost 70 yards. Uh, so we on, we dominated on both ends of the both parts of the game offensively. And then defensively, you know, we scored 45 points. That looks like a great number for us. Well, 21 of those came from defensive scores. Lloyd, Lloyd Hightower took a pick six back for a touchdown and a fumble recovery back for a touchdown. You know, if our defense is putting up point is going to put up 21 points or even seven for us is a damn big deal. We're a different team. You know, we won the turnover battle four to one. Um, so suddenly, not only um, are we did we open the field up through the air, and then you know, uh, don't think Ben had a great game in relief of our injured running backs, but our defense played pretty dang well. You know, this is this was the team that a lot of us were hoping we'd see when we dropped down. That would you know, be the bullies of the big sky, as you might say. And against Idaho State, man, that's what we were. Yeah, I this game, it, it's kind of the opposite for me that I, I normally am, or normally after these games, I'm super, like, ones where we lose. I'm super upset. Sunday, if we did a podcast, it would just be me being really upset. And then usually I calm down by Tuesday when we record these. I've kind of actually been the opposite on this one. Um, I was able to watch the replay last night, and... Uh, the game was not quite as clean as I liked. I mean, if you take away the 21 points we scored on defense, which we can't count on that every single game, which Lloyd Hightower, freaking helmet star for sure. Two two touchdowns, a scoop and score, and a pick six. Um, just absolutely awesome. And then obviously Strzok was pushing it, and that led to another one. Um, Charles Ocano, awesome game. Christian Ellis was everywhere. So, I mean, our defense played lights out, even with our defensive line not having one of its necessarily best performances, uh, but still a very solid one. But I think we still, I mean, TJ said it right when we were watching the game, you know, uh, the the typical Vandal second half. Once again, it showed up. We, we went in the halftime with a 24-7 lead. Should have been a 24-0 lead, plus, you know, a missed field goal and a blocked field goal. So, um, that our special teams who continue to struggle in this game. And I don't want to take away from it. It was a big win. It was a win we needed. It's something that you can at least now, like uh, Crawford said in the, the press game, or the, his press conference before the game, um, that, you know, we want to run, be the FCS, premier FCS program in Washington, Idaho. Um, and they can say that at least for this year, that they, they beat both those teams, and that will help in recruiting, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot more than that because, I mean, I'm just running down these stat lines. Idaho State had more first downs than us, even though we had more time of possession. Um, once again, penalties seem to be an issue. We had twice as many penalties for twice as many yards, although one of those was Jordan Freisinger um, getting a penalty from the sideline as a as a alumni back, which, Great is, celebration. which is kind of <laughs> hilarious. Um, but, you know, all in all, it was good. It was nice to see a lot of things. But I think it was obvious that uh, Colton had a lot of fire going in this game. And when Colton went out, things kind of changed. Our whole game plan changed, obviously, because uh, we want to keep the ball on the ground, which is great to see. Like, Brian, you touched on it. Dylan Thinpen, or Thigpen, amazing game. Uh, Nick Romano, other than that one mistake, had a great game. He had uh, that one of those deep passes that Colton had. He, he, got, he was the, play of the or, you know, player of that play right there where he comes off the play action and just crack blocks these two – I mean, if he doesn't hit these two guys or just hits one of them, Colton gets lit up and we don't get that big gain. So he had a great play. Unfortunately, fumbled like one or two plays later, but um, that was good to see. And then you had Jack Bamis actually getting some snaps in, which just goes shows how deep we are at running back. And when Bamis was signed to this team three or four years ago, 
We all thought he was going to be a big part of the running back game. He was switched over to linebacker. Now he's back at running back. But we're so deep at that position, which is nice. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the, uh, the quarterback stuff, like we said, here in a little bit. But I, uh, I had Romano just having great blocks twice. There was the one play where he lost his helmet on the deep ball to Cotton, or I think it was the one to Whitney, where he literally lost his helmet and just stood there and didn't continue to play to cause a flag for the play to come back. So just for a true freshman, amazing IQ. Nick Romano was great. There were so many good players in this game that, that you know it's hard to give them all. And one thing I absolutely love for a rivalry game, the refs really let them play, which was kind of cool. Because usually you see, like, even in the early bits of the game where people are kind of getting thrown a little bit late outside or, you know, out, out of bounds. And uh, on that one touchdown that with Rango where he got kind of tossed back, I believe, by Trey Walker, even though he's already in. I feel like in most games that draws a flag. But the refs were really, like I said, 10 penalties in this game was actually pretty good for the fact that they were not calling a lot of stuff. Two pass interference calls that you can maybe argue – on uh, Hightower, or not Hightower, on Thompson, t- Thomas twice. But all in all, they let him play. They let him be a little scrappy. There's a couple of times you could have called roughing the passer on both teams, but I like that. I like that they were like, this is a rivalry game with a little bit of heat. As long as it stays in control, we have no problem letting it play. So shout out to the Big Sky refs for that. Um, and then I think I've ranted on pretty no- pretty long enough. If anybody has anything they want to touch on or else we can move into the quarterback competition. Yeah, one one defensive point. Yeah. Um, now, Chris, you're 100% correct in that um, I felt great watching this game too, but also the further away from the game, some of the some of the ways where you know our team is flawed, uh, they were definitely present against Idaho State. You know, for example, the 21 points from our defense is sweet, but that also means our offense only scored 24 points, uh, which that's been a theme since we've dropped down. We don't have a particularly strong offense. Um, second, defensively. Our, our front seven did a pretty good job of containing Ty Flanagan. You know, Ty Flanagan going into the game was leading. He's running back for Idaho State. He was leading the Big Sky in yards and rushing yards per game, even after our playing us, where he only picked up 44 yards. So he was averaging about 130 yards or so per game in the Big Sky. He picked up just 44 yards against us, dropped his average to 116. But still, even if he's at 116 average, containing a guy to 44 like that, that's a good showing. Um, now, the downside is our secondary still needs some work. Mitch Guller killed us. Uh, 11 receptions, 166 yards, and a touchdown. Um, even though Matt Strzok threw two touchdowns to us, he still he still had a solid game otherwise uh, in terms of 316 yards, two other touchdowns, moved the ball pretty well. And I'm like you, man, I just don't get us uh, in the second half. This dates back like four years. Uh, to just Paul Petrino teams doing nothing in the second half. So that was upsetting. When it got down to 21, thir- when Idaho State whittled the lead down to 21 31, I know everyone in the dome, it seemed like they were expecting us to just face plant. Uh, but then Lloyd, Lloyd Howard, Hightower picked up the fumble um, after Matt Strzok went down with sack, and that's your ball game. Yeah, and I think it's a great point. That the one thing they touched that just before, and it's actually a super awesome transition. Um, the good news is those 24 points our offense scored were all while Colton Richardson was on the field, and he only played two and a half quarters. So that's one benefit is, yes, the defense did score 14 points after he was hurt, which is what really helped us put away the game. But when Colton Richardson was in, the offense the offense was moving, which is why I want to kind of just talk remotely on the quarterback situation because I hate to say I told you so, but I've been saying since last year and probably our most heated uh, podcast with TJ <laughs> – 
that the one thing we needed was a deep threat and our offense would look incredibly different. And that's what we have this game. And you saw Idaho State's corners with their jerseys turned back to our quarterback because they were trying to actually run down Haywood and Cotton and DJ Lee instead of just keeping everything in front of them because they know that all the guy could do is shot put a ball. Um, like I said, Mason Petrino on the sideline helped. He's incredibly smart. He's one of the toughest kids that's ever played at this school. The stuff he had to take on the field with his size limitations plus off the field with the situation he's been put in, um, no doubt has guts. But it, I think it was proven today that all along, well, maybe you know, last year maybe the development wasn't there, but Colton Richardson should have been the guy this year because the offense just looked so different with him. And you imagine what he could look on, look like if he had some rhythm going into this game. If some of those throws they had overthrew the fade route, if he had thrown that ball in four other games, the touch he might have been able to learn he needs on that in a real game situation. You just saw some of these moments that might have been figured out if he wasn't making his first start in week eight um, of his junior year, which was so great to see. And I guess, um, and obviously, I'm happy that Nick Hilnair got in, even though for very limited action, probably should have gone five for six. People definitely struggled with his cadence and the way he threw the ball. We had a couple offsides, but he got in, and he looked pretty promising too. So um, we've got some stuff we'll talk about in hashtag AskTTC about the upcoming weeks, plus, you know, next week when we have a preview to do. But, I mean, what did you guys see out of the quarterback play, Brian? I mean, I, I know you're probably more on my level that it was nice to see this. Dude, I am so far out on your level, Chris, mm. that I, I might call it my level. Um, I think <laughs> you're that— You're hijacking uh, my level? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Well, it, it'll be a, a joint A joint level? We'll take yeah, it. it'll be a joint level effort. Um, to me, starting Mason Petrino is just so damn indefensible. Um, you know, last season, you could at least say he didn't make mistakes, even though I'd say three and out all the time is pretty damn close to mistake. Uh, this year, he's, tur- he's turned the ball over a ton. Uh, and we, we just cannot have a guy who can't make plays and then turns the ball over. We finally got to see what our skill position players do when they have a chance. And it's not just like Colton throws these bombs every single play. It's that intermediate passes are open too and deep balls are open as well. You know, Colton, Mason Petrino's had one pass uh, this season for 30 yards or more. And it also, also comes with yards after the catch. Colton has had multiples like that, both because he can get the reception is just a clean catch of 30 or more yards. Plus he still has guys who gets yards after the catch too. Um, and you can just tell, man, our offense was good. It just, it just, it's just so frustrating to me that it feels like we pissed away two years of potential to develop a guy who's a senior, who is a bottom two quarterback in the conference. And I feel like we finally got to see a full game with him out there. The jury's in. And I he, don't, he, he needs to not come back in. I, I don't remember if it was you or somebody on all vandals, but I believe I read somewhere. So uh, I'll, sorry, I don't have this fact check in front of me, but it kind of podcast flow fluidly. Um, Colton Richardson had a higher QBR rating in two and a half quarters than Mason's had in any game. He's threw for more yards in this game than Mason did in all but one game. Um, and he had, what, he had one other stat that was, oh, more completed passes over like, 15 yards than Mason Petrino had in any game. And this was in two and a half in just, you know, his only game he's really gotten to start it. And there's a huge asterisk next to that one game Mason threw uh, for 310 yards. It was against Montana. We were down like 43 to 16 going into the fourth quarter, and Montana was playing the reserves. Yeah, and David Unger had like an 85-yard reception in that game. So it knocked yeah. 85 yards off of one of them, and it might be a little different too. Yeah, man. And also, I mean, sorry, I'm not trying to filibuster TJ here, but like being at the game, I can tell you it felt like in the dome 
everyone was on the same page of this dark cloud has been lifted. We obviously wish the best for Mason. He's obviously a smart, tough guy. We don't mean anything personally. It's just that there's obvious limitations. Like statistically, the Big Sky, they track lead 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 leaguers. You know, top ten at each position, different you know stats. Mason Petrino's listed in almost no quarterback stats in the top ten in the Big Sky. We're counting averages and totals because he's a bottom two quarterback, yeah. and we we just know that. And we finally saw uh, Division One talents out there. It let everyone else play at a level we've known they've always had, and it's frustrating because as Vandals. You know, we get we hear other people talk about our team doing poorly, and then we keep saying like, "Yeah, but we got these skill position guys, these linebackers. We just need this one thing fixed, and suddenly we're okay." And it always seems like that falls on deaf ears. But we find we got to see it in front of us. Yeah. When they have a chance to do what they can, they're good. Yeah. And TJ, well, all right, you, it's your he's your shot, buddy. I'm you just, you and him had got drinks together after the Eastern game. I am just. It, is this a one game thing? Is it just Colton got in a game that's going to be a shootout, or man, where do you stand on? I this? confessed probably too much to Mason when I hung out with him after that Eastern win, which was only like a fifteen minute time. Then after that, we ran out of things to talk about. But what I'm really proud <laughs> and impressed with is how neutral you guys have stayed this whole season. So thank you for that. Instead of just <laughs> going maybe, off maybe every Maybe one week. more than other of you guys have stayed a little bit more neutral. You can guess which one has. Shouts out, Brian. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was – for the last two seasons, I it's been that thing where if the ball's in the air, every vandal holds his breath and goes – Oh God! Is it gonna get there? Did we just throw that? <laughs> you know, and I, you know, at the first half of of this game, I kind of thought the same thing, and then just connection after connection, deep and then long, and then as we threw the different running backs in the game, which helped a lot, kind of give it give it, give a different look, and and kind of a scare to the defense, and then he did run the read option a couple of times. Um, so I, it just kind of took away that kind of fear and worry that are we going to be able to move this down? And it was just he, he played with such ease. And um, you po- you pointed out, um, I think it was the momentum was a big thing for him. I know he came into Portland State late. You know, it was kind of the, all right, this isn't working. Let's throw Colton in. But giving him the ball to start the game and giving him that confidence. And knowing it's your game. In the dome. No matter how bad or good you play. Everyone's going to be there for you. Yeah, right? You're not going to get taken out. I think that was a big thing. Like we said with Mason at the beginning of the year, where like he just looked, they both looked more confident when they weren't looking over their shoulder. Just one did a little bit more with the confidence. Exactly. And Mason knew that in the end, if, if he did something wrong, it would not be as big of a deal as Colton. But I, you know, it was just it felt really good and confident. And even if you looked away from the, you know, the TV for a little bit, you knew that Colton would still be driving in, in two minutes because he'd still have the ball. So yeah, it, it just took a lot of kind of the fear and pain away that our offense wasn't going to be driving and playing as well as they could because it is such a, a different option and a different look. So that was great to see. And yeah. Thanks for being neutral. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kyler, I don't know. I know you had a game going on a little bit. You're, you were at Sam Houston State, uh, Nichols, but, uh, and then with Eastern on the bye. But I don't know if you saw any highlights or you have any takes on what's gone down with our quarterback situation in the last, you know, seven, eight days. No, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I didn't actually get a watch. Um, Idaho or Idaho State, I couldn't find any type of replay. And, yeah, it was at the Sam Houston State um, homecoming game versus top 10 Nichols. Um, and it, it was a pretty fun game. But I got to say, yeah. Um, I, when I've watched Mason Petrino play, it, he's one of those guys where 
yeah, he can throw accurately five to 10 yards, but that's about all he's going to give you. Um, he's a very smart player. He just, in my opinion, isn't naturally gifted enough to be a division one quarterback. Now I do think he's athletic. I think you can use him maybe in more wildcat situations, but I think um, coach Petrino found his quarterback that he needs to go to. They, he puts Idaho in a better position to compete in the big sky than having Mason Petrino in there. But I do think, you know, maybe you use Mason Petrino because he is a very smart player. Maybe you use him as a quarterback um, slash wide receiver where, you know, he has the option, maybe do some reverses, maybe do some trickeries because, you know, he is a good athlete and he is a good football player and he's very knowledgeable. But to compete in the big sky, you need a quarterback who can throw the ball and sling it. And I think you guys finally found someone who can at least do that. Now I'd like to see what he does on the road because as you guys have said, and it seems like it's very true. Idaho plays much differently in the dome than they do on the road since they have not won a road game since they came down to the FCS. Yeah. So I'd like to see what he does on the road versus someone else other than Idaho state, who I think's defensively a really bad team. Yeah. I believe we're seven and two in the dome now. And since we're turning and we are Owen nine or Owen eight on the road, probably worse. Wow. So have one road game. We'll cover that our next road game. Luckily, after the bye week, we are back home. We'll cover that next week. Um, but uh, we, we, here's one that we really got to talk about. And, Kyler, I know you have a little bit of opinion on this, and you'll probably have a little bit more uh, happy-go-lucky attitude about it. But uh, I'm curious from you guys, fan support, pros and cons right now. Um, the game attendance ended up being 10,361, according to Stats FCS. Uh, about the closest we've been to 11,000 since Montana last year, and that was about the only game we were close to last year. I mean, it's obviously been lower this year than last year. But, I mean, for instance, for an example to Kyler, when we played Eastern Washington at the time, number 11 team in the country, uh, we were 6,567. So, and probably 3,000 of them were Eastern Yeah, and that, Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, so, I mean, that comes down to... I mean, I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I, there's 12,000 kids at the school. How can't we get at least 8,000 people at every game? I mean, it's free for them. We've talked about this, I feel like, back and forth a lot, and it's, it is the most frustrating thing in the world. And I completely understand the Idaho tailgate's fun, and I was there too, but you, know, you still go in and you support your team that has you know, puts a product on the field especially this year when, you know, it's, it's a lot better than it has been in the past couple seasons. Um, but, you know, another thing for Idaho to do is there's not really incentive to go into the stadium. You know, they don't really give away T-shirts anymore. They don't have a Yeah, they don't theme. do Thundersticks. I noticed that too. Right. I, I did actually notice that during the game because I know at the Montana State games they give out cowbells and beanies and stuff like that. Right. And then, yeah, they used to give out T-shirts and they used to give out those little Thundersticks and – like, they don't even give any of that stuff out anymore. I think they saw they did those little weird fan right. things, and from, but from it's inside. We don't need fans. From what I've seen this weekend, it looked like a torrential downpour during that game. Why would you not go sit in 65-degree <laughs> weather? Yeah, instead of cram eight of you into an RV? Yeah, or, or under a tent and, you know, go in there. And we were also vandals, too. It's not that tough to get something in there that you can sip on throughout the game. Yeah, uh, that's we don't endorse that, right. but yeah, We're I definitely know someone got a fifth that. one. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely know one kid who brought a fifth in once and really wanted to ring the bell before security finally noticed. <laughs> uh, but uh, the 
I don't know. I'm just – I don't want to harp on it too much because alumni aren't doing it either, but the students are what piss me off because it's free. You have literally nothing better to do except study. And let's be honest, most of the kids that are, aren't are studying on Saturdays right now anyways and the ones that are, good for you. But, I mean, I've seen these numbers, and when we play a team like Eastern who, at the you know, like I said, Kyler knows they've had a season that's not super up to their standards – Still a great team. Still, even if they weren't ranked, it's a team that you'd expect to sell out. But the fact that Idaho well, has these ranked teams in the Dome and we can't even get 6,000 people in there. And then same for Weber State was also underattended. And that's another that, – they were number four or five or four in the country when we played them. And it's like I, I just – I don't understand what it t- it's going to take to get people to go inside. Well, here's, here's what Idaho State's average attendance was last year. In Idaho or guys, Idaho State? I mean, this is on the FCS page. So it's on FCS or .nca.org. You guys averaged over 11,000 a game last year at a home game. You guys are averaging like 6,000 or less, uh, it's uh, less. for a home game this year. That's that's shocking to me. Yeah, we're at Weber State, 5,947. So we didn't even hit 6,000. That was against the number four team in the country. I, I don't know what it's going to take. And um, I guess because I already know somebody's about to freaking their knuckles are white and they're about to fall off their chair or ride their car into this off the side of the road. Uh, yes, the FBS FCS thing is a debate point here, but we're not going to cover that today. Um, I know that was one of our things we brought up. We're just going to do an air it all out special uh, the week before the championship game. So if that's literally the only thing you want to hear us complain about is that's the only reason for fan attendance. Uh, I believe it's January 7th. Look for that. Otherwise, we're going to cover the more tangible things we can actually affect because we can't affect that we're in the FCS now. We're here. we got to figure something out for the time being because uh, we're here for the foreseeable future, and looking back in the past isn't going to fix that. i, I got to think if, if we didn't schedule you guys during move-in weekend because Eastern Washington starts really late, we might have been able to you know, out-crowd you. Uh, oh yeah you might have i mean we looked bigger because we were allowed to be spread out where you guys were all in the section what is that nine or whatever it is but um yeah i think if you put us all together it was probably two to one or you know two out of three people you saw were vandal fans but you know that's a lot easier when you have 12 13 thousand students that have been up there since the middle of august so they, they've been there. It's the middle of September. School's in full flux. It's not like they had anything important going on, like first-class project or anything. They were in the full swing of school. Then it was still sunny and nice in September, so it was the second home game. So there's a lot of alumni that should have been going because most of them don't go to, like, the tune-up games, which were central this year. So Andrew was coming off a really good performance against Wyoming. So yeah. <laughs> it's not like we were, like, just got our another 77-0 ass kicking from Penn state. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to fix it. I'm happy to see the Idaho state game sold out. But the fact that I still think even with the attendance we had there today or on Saturday, I believe it was still less than Idaho state, Idaho in Pocatello last year. Didn't they get 13 or something like that? But yeah, I, I know they set an, a recent Idaho state record. Yeah. I know it was like the, yeah, the most people they'd had since like 94 or something ridiculous, but can I give a quick cornerstool take yes. on attendance? Yeah. So, one, I do think it'll take time to rebuild this. But my take is, man, this team can't keep shitting the bed That's heading true. into home games. I mean, like, before our game against Eastern, 
look, we got killed by Penn State. We all know why we did it, but the optics of 79 to 7 are just atrocious. Yeah. And then following that up with a 10 point win over a good D2 team. Yeah, Central is a good D2 team. But your average still, fan sh- doesn't know that. Yes, you're correct. Your average fan doesn't know that. They see, like, okay, hey, Idaho barely beat a D2 team after getting killed at Penn State. Um, and then we hung tight with Wyoming. But again, like, to your the, the casual fan, you got to win over. That's just one and two with a bad win. Then, you know, fast forward to Idaho State, we're riding a three-game losing streak, including losing at Northern Colorado and getting shut out at Portland State. Mix that, to me, with the thing we referenced earlier. I just think that if you mix the drop-down with playing poorly and the Mason-Paul dynamic, that is too many, too many negative variables. you got to start getting rid of some of them. Obviously, the big one is Mason graduates this year, so that's not here next year. No and then the other one that we can take care of is we got to start winning. Can't we can't kill enthusiasm for a month heading into a home game? Yeah, but I mean, even at the, the university, I don't know. We got to move past it. But I'm thinking like you got to advertise the fact that look at the home record. Doesn't matter if we're losing the Northern Colorado or whatever. You're going to have a good time if you go to the dome. The only two teams we've we've beaten two top 25 teams in there in Eastern this year and North Dakota last year. We hung tight and only lost by, what, seven or eight to Weber at home. And then uh, me, Montana, last year. But that was still an entertaining game. Like, yeah, we were losing. But, like, most people stayed the whole game because at least it was, like, for every ten points they scored, we scored seven. And it just kind of kept adding up that way to where it ended up being, like, a 24-25 point loss. But um, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with the the fan support. It's making me mad. Um that uh, people aren't making it, uh, but, you know, it's something, like we said, there's things that need to happen. Luckily, one of them will be totally out of our control next year or will be gone for sure next year, and we'll just hope that the other ones weren't the biggest driving factor of it. All right, but any last takeaways from the Idaho State game? Before we move on to the fan-requested FCS midseason update to kind of let you guys know, for those of you that don't listen to FCS Fans Nation or Hero Sports Podcast, I guess, what's going on in the uh, FCS realm, and I guess we'll try to keep it Idaho-centric, but there's there's not much we can do Idaho-centric-wise because we're pretty much out of everything. But, um, yeah, closing points? It's a roller coaster of an up-and-down season, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I'll say good win, good <laughs> <Yeah>. win. <laughs> as far as it goes for the standings in the Big Sky Pick'em, uh, Brian was the only one that picked Idaho State, which was kind of funny. You, <laughs> you could have, I think you almost would have been undefeated, but... Um, Anyways, FCS midseason update. So for those of you that don't know, I know it's only our first year back in the FCS. Some of you are old-timers, but the playoff uh, structure has changed a lot since then as well. There's now 24 teams, eight teams of which are seeded. And how many automatic bids are there, Kyler? I know you and Frazee were going over on your podcast today. Yeah, eight, so, ten. so there's 10 automatic bids. So 10 conferences get a, a, an automatic bid. Um, and that's just you win your conference, either you win it outright or you win and you have the head to head or the big sky's a little weird. It's big sky's not even a head to head one. Um, they do something different, but yeah, but yeah it's, it's 10 conferences, it's basketball, their champs get an auto bid. You win the, you win the conference, you go to the tournament, no matter what, even if you win two games all year in basketball, you win the conference, <laughs> you get to go dancing, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. So we're going to roll through the eight seeds that we think they're going to be. 
because uh, that's kind of you, you can look at a FCS top 25 ranking and Kylo can kind of dive in this a little bit more than probably the rest of us. But uh, the top 25 is not necessarily how the playoffs go. In 2017, Eastern Washington was ranked like 14th and didn't even make a spot in the playoffs. That's why the rankings don't really mean anything. Yeah, we were. It's all we about were resume. 17 at the end of the year. Uh, but the playoff committee, so they have a one person from each conference. And they basically, they don't use the stats poll. They don't use the media. They don't use Sagarian. They don't use Macy. They have a simple rating system. And that's their own analytical tool that comes out at the very end after the last game's played. Um, maybe even the game before that. But yeah, they have the simple rating system and it's their own analytical tool. And then, you know, they kind of vote together as a committee on who they believe deserves to be a seed and then who they believe should be in the playoffs. Um, so it, it, if you are ranked number 15 in the country, that does not mean you're going to be in the playoffs. It's it's not necessarily top 24. You don't look at number 24 um, and start working your way down in this because they're, like we said, the automatic bids and everything. But the eight seeds are very coveted because that means you're for sure getting a home game because how the play-in rounds do. So if you're seeded, you get a first-round bye. And then the first-round games are basically all put together geographically. So they're trying to cut down on travel costs and everything. And, Kyler, to correct me if I'm wrong on how this is decided, but it's pretty much the school that is almost willing to front the bill to host the game. And usually those are schools that are expecting big fan attendance and everything like that. So like your Montana's, Montana State's, Eastern Washington's, North Dakota, you know, schools that usually do good in fan attendance will be like, we'll host um, so compared to the schools that like a San Diego that wouldn't. Yeah, so it, it all depends. So in their first round, they do kind of regional matchups because of the cost of the FCS, you know, the FCS does not make that much money. So they do regional matchups as long as you haven't played that team in the regular season. So let's say UC Davis is the last team in and San Diego wins the Pioneer League. They're not going to put those two teams together. Um, they would actually probably push San Diego to play a SoCon team or another Big Sky team that they didn't play um, who might not have a first round bye. But yeah, the first round, it's going to be whoever wins the bid and it is maybe not coughing up the whole bill, but whoever bids more money will get a first round um, playoff game. But yeah. it also is regional as long as you haven't played them in that regular season. All right, Kyler. So let's, let's start it off here. We're going to start with the one seed uh, and kind of work our way down to the eight seed who, in your opinion, and I know I wrote on the thing, end of this week i meant end of the year so we're talking oh, okay when the playoffs actually it. roll around who are these seeds going to be we're doing a little predictive kyler who do you think the number one seed is going to be yeah i think the valley as a whole is a little down so i, I actually think north dakota state's going to win out and if they win out they're 100 percent getting the first seed dj yep um I'm going to stick with Kyler's picks, uh, hopefully throughout this whole thing, so I'm on par with that. But that's, not, <laughs> that's not what I'm basing it off so of. So you're, you're not being very <laughs> Maybe helpful. Maybe I listened to a certain podcast that he was on earlier, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with North Dakota State uh, at first as well. So I'm going to reference Sagarin rankings a couple times just so listeners have like another metric to look at. North Dakota State is the number one ranked team in the FCS in Sagarin rankings, which ranks all of Division One that counts FBS. North Dakota State is the number 39 team right now. Uh, there's a huge gap. There's a huge perceived gap between North Dakota State and then South Dakota State is the second team. So I'm going to stick with North Dakota State until proven otherwise. Now I'll just say real quick, be be weary on Sagarin because they have favored the Missouri Valley 
very <laughs> like very heavy to where their number 10 team, I think it was like two years ago, was ahead of Eastern Washington in 2016 or like right behind them, but yeah. ahead of every other person in the big sky. And Montana smoked their number 10 team. But so it was what like I... Sagarian heavily favors the Missouri Valley because North Dakota State has kind of put them on the map, if you if you so say. What I use it for is just to profile teams. Yeah. So like no, that's, if, that's... if Sagarin's saying North Dakota State is head and shoulders – you know, comparable to some pretty good FBS teams. Yeah. I'm going to say, okay, that just means NDSU is good, and we we know they're good. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to be shocked the world here. Uh, I actually think it's going to be James Madison. I think uh, they've played very well this season. I mean, I know North Dakota State's had very impressive wins, like playing Delaware, beating a rival in North Dakota, playing UC Davis at the time, who was still highly ranked, beating Illinois State, beating UNI. But then I look at all those teams – and they've all kind of fallen off a bit other than, well, I guess you and I and Illinois State haven't, but they're not quite like James Madison's win over Villanova right now, and they still have a couple big games on their schedule. And I just think NDSU, they are good, but, I mean, they got a tough one this week against South Dakota State. I still think going after that to Youngstown State, I know, Kyler, you're pretty down on Youngstown right now, um, but I still think that's going to be a tough game to play. And then they do still have to play South Dakota, who's kind of peaking um, I mean, it's at home. They probably won't struggle with South Dakota, Western Illinois, or Southern Illinois rest on their schedule. But I, I just think between South Dakota State and Youngstown State, there's a chance they lose. Um, and if they lose, I don't think JMU is going to. And so I don't think they're going to give up that number one seed. And it comes down to the media. Uh, I mean, for since last year, everyone was saying this was JMU's year. And I think as the year goes on, that narrative is going to really circle back up. Um, but – Two seed, TJ, you get first pick on this one. We're kind of doing a, not a snake, but a, uh, you move up and then back down to the bottom kind of draft pick. Um, you get to pick the first two seed. Yeah, these two top two teams in the country are probably going to say they, the way they are for the rest of the year. Um, I think everyone knows it. Across the FCS, uh, I'm going to go with number two, James Madison University. Yeah, I'm going to go with James Madison as well. Part Mainly, uh, you know, other than the fact they just have one loss to an FBS team. Uh, they picked up a pretty big win over... Uh, Villanova a couple weeks ago. You know, I, I think James Madison, though, we all knew James Madison was for real, but they did have a coaching change this year. Uh, but I, I feel confident saying James Madison number two. Yeah. And then obviously for me, I'm taking North Dakota State here. Even if they lose to South Dakota State, um, I think eventually they end up getting that two seed. And plus, yeah, people don't, I don't think it's a thing, but I think subconsciously they want those two on the opposite side of the bracket. Um, and they both deserve to be on the other side of the bracket so far this year. Um, and have a shot at playing each other in Frisco, I think would be absolutely devastating if they had to play each other in the semifinals. If it shakes up that way, it makes sense. I'm not going to hurt the pollsters for, or the, the committee for putting them that way, but I just think this is looking like it's these two um, for Frisco. Kyler? Yeah, I think James Madison will be um, the number two. We'll talk about our Frisco picks later, so I won't. I won't agree or disagree with you on what you just said, but James Madison for the number two seed. Number three seed. This is where we might start looking a little different, everybody, so stay tuned. <laughs> Shock the world. I am on the Sacramento State bandwagon. Put the Hornets at number three. I think they went out. All right. I'm actually – I like where your head's at with the big sky getting this three spot. I think you got to put CAA, Missouri Valley, big sky, big three conferences, but I think – Weber has, unless they lose, no matter how good Sac State has played, they've played into a seeding. 
But I think Weber has been there all year, and they deserve to get the three seed if they continue on pace and win out. Yeah, I I am actually agreeing with um, Chris on this one because I as good as I think Sacramento State is, um, I think they're going to buy a little bit too much in the hype, and they do play Weber. And I think the winner of that game is going to get this three seed because I don't see too many challenges left on on really any from how both teams are playing right now. But I am just thinking, even though I think Sac State is a better overall team than Weber, I think Weber actually beats Sac State, so I think they get three seed. Well, it is a good thing I'm on this week because I'm going to throw out some wild cards throughout this top eight after this. Um, I do like both those picks that, uh, you know, the winner of that game could possibly have that seed. I think, I think one of those certain teams that guys keep talking about is having the Chris Hammond trap game. It's coming for them, um, that they're not expecting Sac State. Um, but I'm going to go with kind of how they're ranked right now. And I think they're going to win the rest of their division in the SoCon and that's Kennesaw State. I think they're going to come in that uh, three seed. Um, went out. They have a really good record so far, and they'll secure that spot. Yeah. So they're they're in the Big South, but one thing you got to think about is they will only have ten Division One wins, no matter what, because they played like two NAIA teams or three. Yeah. They might have played three, so uh, that will hurt them in the seeding. And Sac State's trap game would be the Idaho Vandals at in the Kibbe Dome here in a couple That's weeks. What I, <laughs> Different team at home. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> I don't know at that point. I might be rooting for Sac, but four seed. I start the four seed, huh? Uh, South Dakota State. Win or lose this weekend, like I said, I think eventually that gets tripped up at some point. Uh, they fall in a trap game, and I don't think they win out after beating NDSU. Um, if they're able to do it this year or if they lose NDSU, I think they win out the rest of the year, um, which will be good enough for a four seed. They're behind the top three teams in the top three conferences, making them the number one team left in the big three. So I think a four seed's perfect for them here. Yeah, um, I'm going to put South Dakota State as my four seed as well. Now, I'm not as sold on South Dakota State, um, but the thing is their schedule has been very easy because I think the Missouri Valley is down as a whole. After this game, after they lose to North Dakota State, all they have left is Illinois State. And Illinois State is just a team to me that I will always kind of root against because they're always picked pretty high. But um, I I don't think South Dakota State loses to Illinois State. So I think they win out and they get the four seed. Now, Kyler, you are shocking the nation by not counting Northern Iowa as a quality win. No, because Iowa State almost beat them. Okay, (laughs) I'm just bringing that up because South Dakota State's got Northern Iowa on the schedule too. But by the way, my pick is uh, South Dakota State as well. Yeah, Northern Iowa's not a, you know, it is a quality win, but it's also not a great win in my opinion. It's just a win that you should have if you are a seed. TJ, who's your four? And I think that UNI game was kind of a factor with that, but I am sticking with the Jackrabbits at number four as well. So I'm I'm glad I'm back on track. All right, Kyler, uh, you got the five seed. We're halfway through. Who are these last four seeds? I'm actually going with Sac State. I think they slip up to Weber um, because they're riding really high, but I don't see them slipping up any other game on the season because I do think they are for real. So I do think Sac State ends up getting that fifth seed. All right, TJ. For some reason, this is lining up for me uh, even better. I'm going with Weber State at number five. I think they take down Sac State and get that number five spot. You mean get taken down by Sac State? Nope. Vice versa. Wait. Then why wouldn't they be up at number three where you had Sac State? I had uh, <laughs> Kennesaw. Oh, that's right. Ooh. That wasn't you that had it. That's right. Uh, all right. Then, Brian, who are you taking at the five seed? I'm only bringing this up because it was alleged last week 
that I may be a Montana homer in so many words. But <laughs> I'm going to say Montana. Montana beats Eastern and beats Weaver, and they move in to the five seed. Okay. Uh, I am taking Sac State. I think this is where Sac State comes alive. It's right about where UC Davis was, if I remember, last year. Um, and they're pretty much the UC Davis of this year. A little bit more out of nowhere. UC Davis had put together a good enough 2017 that people expected them to do mediocre. Where we, I mean, the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings. Sacramento State started at 13. They're the only team that has not dropped a spot after eight weeks of the ranking. And then they finally this week culminated that with becoming the number one overall power ranking. And they love it in Sacramento. I don't know if you guys were looking at the retweets and likes. It was the Sac State football account, Sac State players, the running. Elijah Dotson liked it. Like uh, Sac State was loving it. However, like I said, Weaver is going to get the three. I think Sac State gets the five here. TJ, where did the sixth seed? Who are you taking? Um, minus the loss this last weekend, um, I still think they have the good rest of the uh, end of the season in the CAA, and I'm going to go with Villanova at that number six seed. I'm going to go with Villanova as well. I am actually going to make this one be the winner of the Brawl of the Wild, I think, gets this seed. I think they're both going to be hovering around like t- 10 through 6 by the time Brawl of the Wild rolls around. And I think the winner of this game gets seeded. The other one has to go, will be the fourth Big Sky. I only think the Big Sky gets four bids this year probably. And that means they're not going to seed all four of them. I think three seeds get bidded like last year. And then uh, Montana might, uh, Montana or Montana State might have to play the role of Montana State last year and probably get stuck traveling somewhere they shouldn't have to go. But uh, we'll see. They both, uh, they played a little bit better than that. But I mean, (laughs) we'll see. Yeah, I'm actually going to stick with what two of the people said. Villanova, all they lost was to JMU, and it was actually a pretty good game. Um, they've beaten everyone else. They've beaten Towson. And looking at their schedule, I don't see them slipping up. I think their only loss will be to JMU, and I think that's enough to give them the succeed. All right. Seven seed, Brian. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> Seven seed. All right. So, by the way, in my rankings, Weber State's not a top eight team. Um, I don't think they'll end there. I'm going to go with. Man, dude, this kills me conference-wise because I this is the one area I'm a little bit weak in. I'm going to say Illinois State. All right. Uh, I'm actually going to be the last one to take Villanova off the board here. I think Villanova gets the seventh seed. Yeah, I think um, Kennesaw State actually gets the seventh seed just because they will go undefeated, even though they will probably have the weakest strength of schedule in all of the playoff teams. But they've proven themselves in the playoffs the last three years. I think the committee will look at that and look at their undefeated season because no one on their season is going to beat them. I think the best team they'll play is Monmouth, who might be a top 50 team at most. Um, so they should go undefeated. I think they'll they'll grab that seven seed. Thanks for backing me up on that, Kyler. All right, that. TJ, who's your <laughs> so, seven? Um, yeah, I think a lot of the top 10 out of five teams in this ranking right now still have to play each other. I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling around and – University of Central Arkansas, they got a tough game this week, but if they get through it, uh, they have a good chance of, of moving up right into that seventh spot and getting that seed. All right, and then we're down to the last seed here. I'm going to actually take Kennesaw here um, for a lot of the reasons Kyler said, except I think that it's a little different. I think they're going to go undefeated. They're going to get credit for going undefeated, and they deserve it. But like you said, they're in the Big South, not a super strong conference historically. They've 
haven't had a lot of games that have been big playmakers, and we all know that they graduated a ton of seniors last year. So I think going undefeated is worth them getting seeded because they've obviously proved it, but I think they get rewarded with a seed, but it's literally the eight seed. So the eight seed, I'm actually going to go with a team who I actually don't think is the eighth best team in the country, but because I'm picking against Montana this week, and I think that eliminates their seeds, I think it's going to be an Illinois State from the Missouri from the Missouri Valley. Um, they pretty much lost every game they can besides South Dakota State, and that's not going to be viewed as a bad loss. So they'll have three losses going into the, the last week, and I think that's enough to give the Missouri Valley three seeds this year. I'm going to go with uh, my homer pick. Not that of Vandals, but I think the Grizz take this eighth seed. Um, I think they end up winning the Brawl of the Wild, which kind of you know means a lot for that big sky ranking, and they come in eighth. Brian, round us off. Who's the last team in in your, your bracket? Wild card, and shout out to Hot Take Nate from Montana Mint for believing these guys are dinosaurs. The Furman Paladins of the Southern Conference. <laughs> Is it better to have a cool-ass mascot or an ascot, mascot that nobody knows what it is? I believe was his phrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like a, if, they, if everyone thinks you're a dinosaur. But yeah, I'm going to go with Furman. All right, so that's who we have for the top eight, or at least for us on who we think uh, could make the top eight seeds. And we're going to cover a couple other FCS points here, starting with most surprising team. Uh, TJ? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some easy ones, actually. I mean, surprising teams are always easy. Surprising team, I mean, kind of the obvious one for us and the big sky, I'm going to go Sacramento State. Um, I think it was a lot of a lot of talk early this year that they were kind of be middle to bottom of the tier. You know, there's those big four big sky teams that we all thought would just be right at the top. And they've really shown up against all these games and big games, big situations, and comes out, come out with wins. So I'm going to go with Sacramento State for my most surprising team, which is really cool to see that any team in the big sky can, can flip it around. Brian? It's Sacramento State because it's not just that they're a surprise. It's everyone picked them to be the worst in the big sky, and right now they've played three conference games, although four if you count their non-conference against Northern Colorado, it fits the statistical profile. They've got the number one scoring offense in one of the best FCS conferences and the number one scoring defense in one of the FCS's best conferences. Uh, that one-year turnaround is ju it's just positively incredible. Um, I'm actually going to just try to be different to be different sake because everybody knows that's what I'm kind of about here. Um, I'm going to go with Florida A&M. Uh, you know, they're a team you don't hear much about, especially in the MEAC. You always kind of hear about North Carolina A&T recently. Um, but they're a team that's kind of slowly been on the rise, usually around 500. But this year they're sitting there with only one loss, and it's to UCF, I believe. So, I mean, a top team who's fighting for potential – New Year's Six Bowl game, and uh, here's this little MEAC team, the Rattlers out of Florida, who are having a really good season. They're ranked in the top 25, I believe, at 20 or 21. So uh, if I'm not going to say Sac State, the obvious low-hanging fruit, I'm going to give you somebody a little different, the Florida A&M Rattlers. Yeah, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote down. So the easiest answer is Sac State. And I even wrote this, like you all mentioned, because I figured you'd all mention this. And then I said, I'm going to go and take a different path, and I'm going to say MEAC, Florida A&M Rattlers, you bastards. Uh, <laughs> um, Kyler, yeah, great minds sitting, think alike, man. 
Yeah, they were they were a six and five team last year. Right now, they're number twenty in the nation. They're six and one. Like you said, their only loss was to you know American Conference powerhouse UCF. And then this week, they just knocked off the three-time MEAC champion, um, who was a top ten FCS team, North Carolina A and T. They're definitely the surprise. But if you want to just look at like a surprise as a whole, the MEAC, even Bethune Cookman, yeah. they are another team who's only um, having one loss. And uh, normally, when you look at the MEAC, you go all right, none of them are going to make the playoffs because their champion, their number one team goes to the Celebration Bowl, and their number two team is not deserving of the playoffs. Right now they have, well, I think Florida A&M is on a ban, so they can't do postseason no matter what because they got their hands slapped. But there's three legitimate teams that could be a playoff caliber team in the FCS playoffs um, right now in the MIAC, which I would just say the whole conference right there is a surprise. Yep, I would say that um, that's a good one. Uh, another central central Connecticut state's worth a shout out, but not enough to cover them. They're not surprising enough. Um, yeah. Now to the sadder ones, most disappointing team. And Kyler, we figured you might want to start this one. Oh, ho, ho, ho. well, I will let you guys talk about Eastern Washington because you know I've, I've talked about them enough. Uh, <laughs> mine's actually going to be UC Davis. Um, they had 18 starters return besides, you know, playmaker Keelan Doss, but everyone else was returning. They returned all their coaches, including Dan Hawkins and their offensive coordinator, Tim Plew. Um, I thought they were an easy pick to get in the playoffs. And right now, in my opinion, they're one more loss away from not making even a bubble. Um, they're kind of like Eastern and Washington, but I believed in the Dan Hawkins hype, bringing them to the national level. They, level. they have more money than pretty much everyone besides the Ivies. They have resources, they have, you know, a support base, and they br- they brought back so many starters and all their coaches. I thought they were an easy pick. Um, even though I had Eastern ranked above them to begin the season, I was thinking, you know, if there was any type of, you know, UC Davis was my lock over anyone. Um, so they're actually my most disappointing year because I don't think they're making the playoffs. All right, well... You know how I love to talk about Eastern Washington, so I guess I will break the most disappointing. I laid the red carpet out for you, man. <laughs> yeah, the only problem is I don't think Eastern Washington's disappointing yet. They still have some games left on their schedule. They can make some noise at Montana, home against Northern Arizona, at Idaho State, and then Cal Poly and Portland State. Their season could end up just fine. Like you said, they're still a potential bubble team here. So I'm going to go with somebody that I know Kyler is very down on, Youngstown State. I think that coming off the big win in Week 0 against Samford um, on national television, regular old ESPN, that was one where you're like, I remember saying, like, Youngstown's defense looks legit, and Bill Pelini's got these guys playing. And then they went on and they beat some teams that, you know, you thought might have been kind of good this year, like Duquesne and Howard, and then they weren't. Um, Then they lose at Northern Iowa which is always a tough place to play. Then they lose to South Dakota State, only by 10, mind you, but a team that's number three in the country. And then they had a very big letdown against Southern Illinois um, on October 19th. But I think that's kind of where it's why I think they're disappointing. They started off so hot, and they let two bad losses to good teams get in their head so much that then they lost to a really bad team on the road. Um, so I think Youngstown State had so much potential, and then they let it all out the door. Now, like Eastern, they go through the schedule and beat North Dakota State and South at South Dakota, um, and home against Western Illinois. Maybe it looks a little different here come the end of the year, but uh, as of now, they they're my most disappointing team. Brian, who do you got? 
I'm without reservation Eastern Washington, uh, mainly because if you look at Eastern's schedule, it was favorable to make the playoffs compared to a lot of FCS teams that they had two non-conference FCS games. They could have won both those games. They probably should have won both those games. I'm talking Jacksonville State, then Idaho. Uh, but they, they fell apart at, in the second half against Jacksonville State, and they continued their come apart in the first half against Idaho. Um, and you can go back to those two losses as to why that team has to be essentially perfect. And that's before we knew that Sacramento State was you know was going to be the team that they are. You know they return they return a ton of talent, including um, I believe they return all all of their offensive linemen from last year's you know second last year's runner-up team. All but Eric Berry, yeah. Eric, Eric Berry has been sacked more times this year than he was all of last year, and last year counts a playoff run. They yeah. they have they haven't played the same level of competition that Eric Berrier mostly spent time against last season, uh, but you know for one reason or another Eastern has just been a step away from what they need to be and yeah they looked good beating the hell out of Northern Colorado, but everyone but Idaho looks like looks great being the hell out of Northern Colorado. Uh, so to me, you know Eastern's going to be going to eliminate themselves when they lose at Washington Grizzly Stadium this week uh, for the playoffs. That'll officially make them to me the most disappointing team. Wow, give it away your picks early. Uh, TJ, rounding it out, who do you think was the most disappointing teams this season? Well, this is a team that I have hyped, I think, since last year, and especially in the preview show. Oh, boy. Sorry, Brandon Owens. <laughs> I asked for a t shirt early on. You know, I didn't get a lot of support, but I think Jacksonville State has really kind of not necessarily fallen off, but just kind of deflated. And just been overall disappointing. Um, lost a tough one, close game this week, but something about these southeastern directional schools, see La, see Mo. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if Bobby Boucher is playing for him or what. They're but... only bet good against those northwest Western. schools. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's just I, I think it was talked a little bit about on FCS Fans Nation. Um, they're the, they've got the most transfers in from D1 schools. And, you know, they have the stadium, they have the program, they have all the support, and they really just don't show up for these games that they should be winning. Uh, so it's, it's been tough to watch them. It's been pretty disappointing. But, yeah, yeah, I'm disappointed too. Offensive players of the year. Um, TJ, who's your offensive player of the year right now? On the opposite side of the state of Troy, um, I'm going to go with Dalton Sneed. I he has really made a difference for this Montana uh, Montana team and just throws to so many targets, opens up the field, and has won Offensive Player of the Week twice, three times for the big skies, so that's huge. Um, yeah, going to go with him. Uh, Brian? Uh, to me, man, this right now is a no-brainer. Kevin Thompson from Sac State. Uh, on the year, he's got 23 touchdowns to five interceptions, 66% completion percentage. Sac State's beaten the hell out of everyone they've played who's not Arizona State or Fresno State. Uh, so to me, man, until further notice, I don't know how you would pick someone who's not Kevin Thompson. Well, I put Kyler and I on the same line, but Kyler, I feel like I've stolen a couple of your uh, your balls of thunder here by picking the same teams you were going to. So I will let you go first on Offensive Player of the, the Year. Yeah, so on FCS Fans Nation – you know, on the Facebook page, I actually do a top five Walter Payton QB because pretty much if you're a quarterback, you have the best chance to win the Walter Payton Award. 
you know, best offensive player of the year. And I have about 15 categories of stats that I put out on each game. And then I average it out per game stats because, you know, the Ivy League, they haven't played as many games or there's people who have buys and others have not had buys yet. And it'll average itself out towards the end of the year. But Dalton Sneed is not even in the top 10 in per game stats. But you know who is? And he's beating every single person. Like Brian said, Kevin Thompson, um, he is averaging almost like 4.5 touchdowns a game, which right now is one more touchdown a game than the Walter Payton Award from last year, Devlin Hodges. So he is playing insane right now, and I think he is 100% the easiest pick you can make for best player on offense to start this year. All right. Well, I'm glad nobody took mine. I'm taking Alex Ramsey, running back from Virginia Military Institute, having just himself a year right now. I believe he's leading the nation in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He had six against Samford. He has over 935 yards in the ground right now, um, nearly, what's that, 70 yards more than the next person playing for Fordham. Uh, and then rushing touchdowns has 17, which is foremost in the guy from um, the Citadel. So as far as just being a stud right now, I'm going Alex Ramsey, just the stud running back from another very surprising team this year in VMI. Can I give like a, a honorable mention? Sure. So Chris Rowland from Tennessee State, he's a senior wide receiver. He is number one in all-purpose yards, and he's like a good 500 yards or 400 yards, you know, from second place. Um, he has already 1,600 all-purpose yards. He's averaging 200 yards a game, and he's a wide receiver. You know, he also does punt returns, kick returns, but um, he already has over 1,000 uh, receiving yards. This kid is playing lights out, and it's only eight games in, and he has over 1,600 all-purpose yards. He should easily break 2,000 yards. This this kid's legit. Yeah, number six on that receiving list, Jeff Cotton. Um, there you go. Who Who is going – and he missed the game. Who is going to Frisco? Maybe we'll do a, a little fun here, right, lighten it up. We'll do who he thinks going to go, and then your maybe dream matchup. If you're in Frisco this week, who's your dream ma- – or this week, this year, who's your dream matchup of realistic playoff teams? Uh, TJ, give you, us a start. You and Kyler are going. I know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you who would you really love to watch on TV? Um, and you can't say Idaho. Uh, <laughs> Matchup-wise? Yeah, who's it going to be and who do you want to see? Who I think it's going to be is it's going to be that JMU-North Dakota State uh, matchup. I think, obviously, this week both teams have a big test. Uh, JMU playing Towson, North Dakota State obviously playing South Dakota State. So if they get through these two weeks or these two games and then you know win out for the rest of the season, stay injury-free, that'll be huge for them. And I think they meet up in the championship. They're just two really, really dominant teams. Um, so that's what I think I'm going to see, and which would be pretty awesome to watch. Um, dream matchup. Oof. Jacksonville State yeah, first. Right. <laughs> um, let's go with, I kind of want to see that University of Central Arkansas team for some weird reason uh, versus the Montana Grizz and Dalton Sneed. All right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Brian? So my head pick, head picks NDSU uh, and James Madison. My heart pick is... North Dakota State, because I want to see them lose, but if North Dakota State's there, it'll, it'll be a sellout. 
Um, so I want to see North Dakota State in the final but lose and have the team they beat probably right now. Like, in one way, I want it to be Montana, but, man, Sac State winning a f- championship after being <laughs> awful forever and taking down the dynasty. And then Troy Taylor leaves for, like, the, you know, a, a gigantic FBS job, and they go back to normal. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd lo- I guess I'd love that story. Yeah, would Troy Taylor get a Sac job, State. like, right away if that if he did this in one year? Absolutely. <laughs> His body he already, wouldn't even he's already, that. you know, only going to teams on average of one to two years max. So, yeah, he'll, he'll leave soon. <laughs> His uh, contract is like seven years. Yeah. Oh, they'll buy it out. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, two, it's like two fifty for seven years. Somebody yeah. like I don't know who can't uh, Kansas just hired, but somebody like that, some desperate power group of five higher up or lower group of five or power five would probably do it. Kyler, who's going? I think you're. We're all probably gonna say JMU and DSU here, but who do you want to see there? I am not seeing NDSU because I actually think they are very young. And we've already seen their offense struggle versus, in my opinion, really bad defensive teams like Missouri State. They only put 22 points on the board versus Missouri State. And this is a team where no other team has scored less than 35 versus this. So I get NDSU is their dominant. They're the sexy pick. They're the easy one. I actually think they're going to slip up in the playoffs because they are very young and they are inexperienced. Their defense is still legit, but I don't think their offense is as good as everyone is making it out to be. And I used air quotes. Sorry, you guys couldn't see but I use air quotes right there. I, I felt uh, them. But but I do believe in the JMU hype train. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to say this because I think it's going to be funny and I'm going to be proven wrong. Um, but I'm going to buy into the Sac State. I think they, as a whole team, they're really good on offense. They're actually really good on defense. They have everything you want in a championship caliber team. And I'm buying into the Walter Payton Award winner right now. Um, I think... They got a decent chance. Now, who do I want? I would actually, if I can't pick my own team, because maybe we win out, we can get a bubble, and then we can go on the road, but we suck on the road, so maybe not. You're not winning out. Hey, you shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it would actually be really fun to see James Madison versus Montana, which that's a rematch from, what, 2004 or something, when um, all these Montana fans are complaining that they played on real grass and it was muddy and it was really bad conditions and that's why montana didn't play very well but james madison still i think just threw all over them which was weird because they were a running team that year so i think that would be a good crowd james madison versus montana that would be a sellout and it, it would be fun to see and i would 100 percent root against montana yeah um i'm gonna go jmu versus ndsu i think it's been built up for two years now so i that's who i think it's going to be Dream matchup. I want my two favorite groups of people in the world, in the FCS world, to come together. I want Big Sky Podcast Network all down there for an awesome party, meeting up with FCS Fans Nation. Do you know Montana and Montana State have never met in the playoffs? How cool would it be if they end up on the opposite side of the bracket, Montana State finally finds out that Tucker Rovig can play or something, he finally balls drop. Gets them through a deep playoff run, and we get Brawl of the Wild in Frisco, Texas. Probably the first Brawl of the Wild that isn't at below 30 degrees. That, that would be a ton of freaking fun. That or Sac State for sure. <laughs> um, all right, corner stool takes. Anyone got one? I'm pretty, it's a bye week, so I'm pretty not hot right now. <laughs> I'm going to go with. I got one. Oh, oh Brian, go he ahead. wants it. Yeah. You can have it. Chris. I'm speaking for you 
as part of our joint venture. I am on the Nikhil Nair train. Yes. Just not, and it's not just because the dude's a backup and everyone loves backup quarterbacks. And a little bit of we've seen him play both in the spring game, because he in the spring game he went against number one defense. So it, it, how he performed is a little bit helpful for us. Uh, but also how he performed against Idaho State. Um, he's no question our best athlete in terms of like north south speed. He is no he is no question faster than Mason north south. He's stronger than Mason. I think he'd be a better running threat than Mason today. And we saw that his arm is it's not as I don't think it's up to the level of Colton, but it's comparable to Colton in that it is no question sufficient, no question it's solid to be a starting FCS quarterback. Burn his burn a few of his games, let Mason close it out senior night if you want. But I want to give Nikhil a few games. So see what we have. So then next year, if we're going to have a quarterback competition, it's against two guys who've actually seen the field that we have an idea about what they can do. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, let me know your T-shirt size. I'll be sending you the Nikhil Nair fan club shirt. You'll get number two. Um, <laughs> yeah, go Islanders. <laughs> go Islanders. Well, yeah, we'll even get a high school one. Um, but, yeah, I like that, actually. That's enough corner stool take for me. Can I share a corner stool with – Brian, that's what we're doing. You, you, you got Absolutely, that one. dude. That's why I work out. Yeah. I, got, I, got one, I got one for you that I think you're going to be mad. Another one that you won't be mad that you take. Um, Saturday morning, crack of dawn, Lee Corso puts on a jackrabbit on college game day. Shocks the world. <laughs> I don't know if that would shock the world, but that would be funny. And no, there's a hot take, actually. Sorry, South Dakota State. You got to up your mascot game. That uh, I, I don't like the floppy ears. I, it looks like freaking uh, the freaking Alabama's trunk. I don't know Albert or whatever their elephant's name is. Lee Corso putting on the on the rabbit. Um, Kyler, you got any cornerstool takes? Um, I'll just say Eric Barrier has 400 yards and four total touchdowns. Okay, I like that. A lot of us will be watching that game. Obviously, two teams we love to hate playing each other. That's fun. That's what I was going to say. If, Mont- if Montana plays at JMU, I'm rooting for Montana. It's just like uh, when you were there last year, I was pulling for Eastern. I was like, yeah, you know, I want the big sky to win. I'm tired of the Missouri Valley winning it every year. Um, but that will be my corner still take. Montana makes it. Allegiances aside, go Grizz. Um, all right. Hashtag. Like breaking news. Breaking news, guys. Oh. Ooh. I. In case you didn't check the box score when you're listening. Idaho lost its exhibition opener to Central Washington, 88-81. <laughs> You've been following that all podcast. That's I can't so believe it. That's so bad. Oh, no. Men's basketball. Started from the bottom, stayed there. Started from the bottom. 2019. You can only go up. Thank God <laughs> for Newly. <laughs> all right. Um, hashtag AskTATC. We only had two this week, I believe, except the impromptu half hashtag asked ATC. So TJ and I will start. TJ, you can start because uh, we've already talked about him, and I like to hear about him. From Dallas Hammer, asked TATC, red shirt, big sexy, in parentheses, Colton Richardson, or have him play out the rest of the season if he's healthy. That's, you know, big star there. Um, not that anyone's asking me, but I'm fully in the, I'm fully on the redshirt train. Uh, play Nick Hill for the rest of the season. 
Well, that's kind of what it's going to look like. Um, definitely for Colton Richardson for the rest of the season. Uh, I, it looks like that injury is going to be probably sidelining him for the rest of the season. So there's no reason why we wouldn't redshirt him, I guess, at this point. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, from everything we've heard, he's okay. done for the year anyways. So, uh, which, you know, is very sad to hear. It sounded like a lot of the players were really excited to play with him and kind of upset. Well, they were upset that they didn't get to finish out the season with him. So this is – it's going to be a good rebuilding year for him to re- redshirt, fully heal, you know, get all the rest that he needs. Um, but moving forward, you know, Nick Hill is still very young. He's got a lot to prove to himself. Um, and But him getting a couple more games while still on his redshirt will be good as well. Um, it's going to look like it's going to be Mason hopefully coming back after this bye week. But, yeah, going forward, it's going to be a Colton Richard redshirt. Uh, Nick Hill, I think, will get one more game. And then following that, Mason Petrino. Uh, Dallas, send me your shirt size. I'll send you number three on the Nair fan train. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I, I'm doing Martin Heimstra at Hemi underscore 71. Do you think we will see Freeze take snaps at quarterback this year? Hashtag. S-T-A-T-C. Well, you know, Martin, I think John's gotten a little bit old. I don't think the arm quite plays like it used to right. back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so I don't think John can be suiting up. Plus, I'm pretty sure he's out of eligibility. He did play, spend some time with the Seahawks. I don't think they let him come back. Um, but if you're referring to Cameron Freeze, uh, the walk-on son, um, yeah, maybe. But I think Mason's healthy. It sounds like he's just in percussion, concussion protocol. That will be three weeks by the time our next game ends. I'm assuming he's healthy. Pending he gets hurt in the last four games, um, I, I don't see Cameron getting in, especially the way Nair's played. And unlike Mason and unfortunately, well, unfortunately for both Mason and Colton, having a little bit lack of um, injury proneness, uh, I, I think Nair hasn't shown us that yet. And he looks the type that he's big enough to not get hurt every time he drops back and not so big that there's a lot of weight coming down on him every time. So I don't think we see Freeze, period. Uh, he was a walk-on anyways, so I don't think they're dying to get him snaps, which is why they're not talking about burning Cisco's red shirt. Uh, they want to keep Cisco pretty well protected, even though, if anything, I think it would come down to Cisco playing over Freeze. Big Sky Pick'em Challenge. Uh, week 8, Brian and Alex tied. Oh, man. We've been going so long. I forgot Boatman was on last week. This has been a long podcast. 4-2. and two. TJ and I went 3-3. Three and three. That leads to standings. Brian absolutely killing it. 51-9 and nine record. 85% picking correct percentage. I'm at 46-14, and 14, putting me at 76.6%. TJ is 44-17 for 73.3%. And Alex the Boat Boatman at... 18 and 8 with a 69.2. Don't pick any more games, Alex. Percent. That means, Brian, this is stressful for you. If you pick a wrong game, you hit the double digit loss column. You could go the whole year with single digit losses, and it's not easy out of the, the uh, jump here. Number nine, Montana State is traveling to. North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks. Yeah, North Dakota's had some good wins this year, but I think Montana State is going to pull this one out of the Bobcats. Uh, I am actually going to take Montana State as well. This opened up as a two-and-a-half-point game for North Dakota State. It has been dropped down to a pick em, um, but I'm going to definitely pick Montana State. I'm going with Montana State. They've had, they had a bye week to prep for this game. 
They're going to have Troy Anderson more healthy. Tucker Rovig, even though he didn't do great against Sac State, is getting a little bit better. Montana State probably views this as a must-win. Take the Bobcats. I'm taking North Dakota, and I think it's because I think Montana State's offense is atrocious, and North Dakota can actually throw the ball this year. Um, and I'm just – I want a little bit of chaos since my rankings on this big sack standing doesn't matter. So I'm going to get a little bit of chaos today. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of chaos – Next game, Eastern Washington is traveling to Missoula to play number 10 Montana. I'm going with the Grizz. I'm sorry. I see how it is. I, this one's hard for me. Dalton Sneed's out. I know. Mm-hmm. And so I have Eastern highlighted, but like I just think they're pissed and they know that they're still a very outside chance to make the playoffs. And I think they kind of missed that spotlight. And this is their last like nationally televised game. Uh, I think Eastern comes out really, really firing. But then again, if Dalton Sneed plays, I'm, I'm worried. But I'll, I'll stick to my gut here, and I'll, I'll take the Eagles. I'm going to go with Montana. Uh, they're going to be – it's going to be a sellout crowd at Washington Grizzly Stadium, like it essentially always is. Montana is in a – they're in the must-win section part of their schedule as well because they close out the year with Weber and Montana State. I think Montana responds to getting killed by Sac State – with having one of their better performances of the year. So I picked the Grizz. Yeah, I'm actually um, going to be a homer, but it's mainly because, and I, I've picked against Eastern this year a couple times, but it's mainly because Montana State or Montana has the sixth worst passing defense in the country. They are awful. And playing Eric Berrier, you need some defensive backs. Their defensive backs make Maine look like gods. So, yeah, I actually think Eastern Washington – is going to win, but it is going to be a shootout if Dalton Sneed plays or not because our defense sucks. So I think it's going to be a seven-point game either way, but I'll pick Eastern just because they need the win. Yeah, and that's uh, seven and a half points uh, for Montana at home is the spread on that one. And then one point I forgot to make, I should have put it in my little book here of notes. The other reason I'm picking Eastern in this and the main reason I was, bald or not Baldwin, Aaron Best is an Eastern Washington guy. He hates Montana. Bobby Houck. When he was around, Eastern was not really what they are yet today. And with them not playing last year, I think Bobby Houck might not be ready for this new Eastern team. So I think they have that little bit of element of surprise of Eastern knows what to expect or how much they hate Montana, where Bobby Houck might not be quite ready for how much Eastern does not like Montana in this current age. Things have changed a little bit when since he left Missoula the first time. Um, next game, we have Idaho State going to Cedar City to play Southern Utah. The spread on that one is 7.5 for Idaho State as the favorite. TJ, who are you picking? Uh, yeah, Idaho State. Going to go with the favorite there. I'm also taking the Bengals. I don't know how it's only 7.5. I'm going with Idaho State, although, just FYI, somehow Southern Utah has the best pass defense in the big sky in terms of yards allowed per game although it's probably because they're getting killed so much in the first half and teams just quit passing uh but idaho state (laughs) that's actually probably correct um i since like i said my rankings don't matter i actually want chaos and playing at southern utah is sometimes really tough especially for a dome team playing at you know six thousand five thousand feet elevation i'm actually gonna go with southern utah on this one now, would I bet on it? Absolutely not. But since I'm not putting any money down, screw it. Southern Utah. 
Yeah. All right, that takes us to a top 25 matchup between number four, Weber State, and number 22, UC Davis. Spread on this one is UC Davis by two and a half. TJ, who are you picking? I'm going to go with Kyler and Cosm Chaos as well. I'm going to go with UC Davis and pick with them. I'm taking UC Davis. I know I had Weber as like a four seed, but I just think Dan Hawkins, just like I thought with Eastern, this is must-win time, and I think he's kind of like – Man, people thought I was God's gift to the FCS, and I kind of missed that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Weber. They end UC Davis' season. Uh, UC Davis' defense is atrocious. They have given up the third most touchdowns in the big sky. It'll be a gift for, to Weber State that they won't have to do much on offense. I mean, they'll, they'll still score some points because the UC Davis defense is garbage. Uh, but I'm going to go Weber. They end, end the year at Davis. Yeah. I am agreeing with Brian because I think Jake Mayermeyer, you know, from the Big Sky podcast people, um, I don't think he's having that great of a year. He has nine interceptions, and he hasn't really played that many top-tier defenses yet. I think Weber is going to kick them in the teeth, and, yeah, I'm picking Weber for this. All right, then we have Portland State traveling to Flagstaff to play the Lumberjacks. Spread on this one, Lumberjacks are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. TJ, who are you taking? Yeah, uh, that's crazy that they are uh, underdogs for that. I'm going to go with Case Cookus and the Lumberjacks. I'm also taking the Lumberjacks. Taking the Lumberjacks. Portland State is all fool's gold so far. They got Idaho's worst shot, and then they beat Southern Utah and Northern Colorado as their big sky wins. NAU makes them look bad. Yeah, I'm taking 7,000 feet elevation. I'm taking NAU. Portland State's going to get They're going to have a lot of points scored against them. All right, then the darling of our eye, number seven, Sac State, cracking the top ten this week, going to San Luis Obispo to face the Mustangs of Cal Poly. Uh, Cal Poly, 14.5-point dogs at home. TJ, who are you taking? The Sacramento State. I'm taking Sac State as well. Go Hornets. Stingers up. Sac, Sac State, Cal Poly has, like, the least efficient defense in the nation where teams possess the ball for, like, 20 minutes a game but still get, like, 425 yards per game against them. So they're going to get killed. Sac State wins. Yeah, Cal Poly's defense is only slightly better than Montana, so Sac State's going to have a field day. (laughs) All right, that brings us to the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Week 8 results. I should have got Kyler's on here. My bad. Uh, I am, um, well, I just want to let you know, I'm in fourth Fourth. out of everyone. We had Mitch Hopkins up there for a little bit, but he's he's drifted off. But I got four points last week. TJ Hopkins has had five, beaten by one point. Mm. Uh, story of the season. Week 8 standings. Mitch Hopkins still leading the way with 50 points. TJ's pulled closer with 47. Mm-hmm. Jamie Hill at 44. And Connor Lindstrom at 40. Uh, then we have me bringing up the rear there with 37. Damn, that week was zero points. Killed me. Um, but let's get right into it. We already picked Eastern Montana. So we're picking Harvard versus number 13, Princeton. And uh, in this one, we'll go Brian, myself, TJ, Kyler. Not so fun fact about Princeton. They're the last Ivy League school to allow women into the, in, into their, into, to admit women to go to the school there. And because <laughs> of that, yeah, I, I struggled because it's the influence of women that help schools. Um, Princeton That's is true. The, the women thing actually doesn't help them at all, but I'm going to pick Princeton to win because Sagarin says they will. Um, I'm also going to take Princeton, and the spread on that one is 11-point favorites for Princeton at home. TJ? Wow. Uh, Princeton. <laughs> Kyler? Yeah. 
Yeah, Kevin Davidson from Princeton, their quarterback, he is having an unreal season. He's 74 five star. 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, and six rushing touchdowns. Or no, never mind. That was six rushing yards. I, I got that stat mixed up. But but yeah, they will beat Harvard. Yeah. It, it, is that the five former five-star quarterback that committed to Princeton? Nope, they haven't even played him yet. Oh, my goodness. They're ridiculous for an Ivy school. Um, that takes us on to – we already picked Montana State at North Dakota. So we got Chattanooga versus Wofford. Wofford, 11-point faves at home. TJ, who are you picking? Oof, I did not know that was that big of a spread. And I, I mean, we're just picking money lines, by the way. I'm just providing spreads for context. I know, but I didn't even have this game circled, and I have not done well picking the Terriers this year, so I'm going to go Chattanooga. Ooh. I like that. The mocks. I, however, am taking Wofford. Wofford. Yeah, Chattanooga's 3-0 in the SoCon, and Wofford lost to a pretty mediocre um, MEAC team. But Wofford's getting it together. I think Wofford wins. Um, That leads us to the Magic City Classic, Alabama A&M versus Alabama State. Uh, played at Legion, f- famous Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama, former home of the AAF Birmingham Iron. <laughs> uh, TJ, who you've taken? Uh, spread on this one is. Oh, hold on. Should be AMN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got North Alabama when I typed in Alabama. Uh, three and a half point favorites, Alabama State. Well, oh. Now, I don't like picking before Kyler because I wish I would have heard what he said. Um, but I'm going to go with A&M after the season they're having this year. Um, yeah, I don't know why I started with you. It should have been Brian and me, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take Alabama State. Brian, who are you taking? Sagrin says Alabama State. Alabama State. Yeah, I'm taking Alabama A&M. And, guys, just letting you know, I am fourth in this whole pick. I'm with yeah. 56 points. Does no Just one, letting you know. Does no one check that spreadsheet? I mean, the guy picks the games and picks them right. Yeah, but you're yeah. not eligible for prizes, so it doesn't yeah. matter. No, and I donated 200 bucks for the champ. So. Yeah. yeah, so Mitch Hopkins will be thanking it with his 200 or plus dollars and a tub of tub tokens if he can pull <laughs> this off. Um, that leads us to South Carolina State versus Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman is a three-point dog on the road. Or, sorry, a three-point favorite at home. Brian? Gonna go with Bethune. I'm taking South Carolina State. Uh, BCU. Yeah, South Carolina State beat Wofford, and that's what kind of pushed Wofford out of the top 25. Now Wofford's rolling. So South Carolina State might be better than we all think, but I think it's gonna be Cookman's time to shine. I'm taking Bethune Cookman. All right, then we got Sam Houston State traveling to Central Arkansas. Uh, Sam Houston State, the Bearcats are one and a half point favorites on the road. Brian? Oh, man, this was one of the tougher ones for me. Uh, didn't Sam, Sam Houston State just had a real tough showing? Was against Towson or something like that last week? No, uh, against uh, top 10 nickels. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's why we have you on here, Kyler. Thank you. I got you. I'm going to go with Sam Houston State. Uh, I'm going to take Central Arkansas just because they're good, even though I like the Bearcats. Yeah. Um, University of Central Arkansas, Purple Bears. Purple Bears. Sam Houston State's defense is for real this year, which is weird. I think they have had like three to four shutouts already. Um, I saw them in person last week. Their offense isn't that good, but either is Central Arkansas's. I think the defense for Sam Houston is going to be the difference maker, and I think Sam Houston's back. 
All right, that leads to our uh, – we got to – everybody feel your inner Lee Corso here. Mm-hmm. College game day is going to be in Brookings, South Dakota, for the number one North Dakota State Bison playing the South Dakota State Jackrabbits for the Dakota marker game. Your Lee Corso, what headgear are you putting on? The spread on this game is – South Dakota State is four and a half point dogs at home to the dynasty of Dakota. Brian, you're Desmond Howard. Who are you picking? Again, until someone proves me wrong, North Dakota State. As Reese Davis, I'm going to take South Dakota State because he always likes to pick the school that they're at. We're going to mix it up. Kyler, you're our Kirk Herbstreet. Who are you picking? Yeah, I'm not sold on South Dakota State's offense this year. Um, and I'm actually not so on North Dakota State's offense either. But this is a new system, new coaching for North Dakota State, where South Dakota State has not played this typical system before. I will lean towards North Dakota State. All right, Paul, or stop, Pollock. Lee Corso, yeah. who are you putting on there, TJ? Thanks for leaving that up to me. Not so fast, Chris. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> my friend, I'm going to go. Although you're thinking the other side, Jackrabbits, I'm going to go with the North Dakota State University Bison. But I want to know, what do you think food they're going to bring out to that set? What hot dish, what casserole are they bringing out? Buffalo wings. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Bison wings, sponsored by TJ's Wing, wing Corner. Corner. Yeah. Oh, which is definitely not on the thing this week, is it? Oh, well, we're running out of time anyways. We'll save it for Boatman. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, there's a lot of good games, FBS and FCS this week. FCS games, who are you watching, TJ? And there's no if you weren't watching the Vandals because they're on a bye week. In case you've listened this far and wondered why we aren't previewing anybody. Well, the Vandals against BYE this this week is going to be a little close, so pay attention to that. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest FCS game of the year, Alabama A&M versus Alabama State, um, never watched it before, so kind of see what that's like um, in, that, in that arena. Dude, Eastern Washington, Montana. Uh, I know Montana guys like to act like it's not a big rivalry, but the Eastern Montana is a game I guarantee every single person looks forward to in, from both schools is ecstatic about, and it means something again. Last time I saw this game, Vernon Adams tore the Grizz up. That's back when I was rooting for Eastern because they had the better team, and that's what I always root for out of the, my secondary teams. Whoever is the better, I want them to go in the playoffs. This is the game I got my eye on. I'm going 100% where game day's going. North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Rematch from getting knocked out of the playoffs last year. On their turf now. Game day in town. Teams don't usually lose when game day visits for the first time. Uh, I, I am so stoked for this game. The only bummer on this is that it's on ESPN Plus, and they weren't graced by putting it on ESPN2 or U or something at least for it. But I'm, I'm definitely watching Bison, Jackrabbits, Kyler, if you only I'm, could watch one game this week, I mean, you got a big one, but is NDSU South Dakota State bigger? Um, No, just because, you know what, five years ago, no one outside of Fargo and Brookings knew what the Dakota maker was. So <laughs> screw that game. Screw college game day, even though the Big Sky Commissioner kind of helped do that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm watching the game that matters. It's playoff season for Eastern Washington right now. Um, we need a win. I'm watching, you know, the Grizz, the Grizz Eagle game. There you go. A lot of Grizz Eagles. The Magic City Classic. What is 60,000, 65,000 FCS fans at that one. And then, of course, the Dakota Marker. Closing the bar. 
How can everybody find you? What do you got going on in your life? TJ, start us off. Uh, at TJ Hopkins 13 on Twitter. You can tweet me. I probably won't respond. Um, shouts out to the other U of I, Illinois, for that big upset this weekend. Yeah. For those of you who know, TJ's girlfriend's in a fighting Illini. So we or were. How's you say that? The Illini. The Illini. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are all on board U of I right now. Yeah. Um, Fear the beard. You can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond on Twitter. Obviously, uh, also part of Tubs of the Club and Big Sky Podcast Networks. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff ways to find me. I'm pretty active on Twitter, unlike TJ. Brian, follow me on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M A R C E A U. You'll get any news when I have power rankings out, which come out every single week. Sign up for my newsletter at Montana-Mint.com. And last but certainly not least this week, thanks for coming on, Kyler. Tell the people how they can find you and what you've got going on in your life. Yeah, they can find me on FCS Fans Nation or KNeil underscore 88 on Twitter. Um, I'm in Houston, so the Astros are big down here. Mm. I wear my Mariners gear everywhere, but it would be kind of fun to go see a you know World Series parade So since the Mariners will never do it. So only team to not make it (laughs) (laughs) as of the nationals. Um, All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, especially on this extra long episode, but you guys wanted a mid season update. So we gave it to you Um, reminder next week, we will have a player interview. So make sure you follow boatman, Alex at or Alex boatman at boatman, Alex on Twitter and tweet at him who you want to see. We've seen some names. We've seen some Matt Linehan, some Benson Mayoa, so we've seen some people tweeting in, which is good. Um, we're, we definitely got somebody in store for you, but we might be able to do two. Um, so make sure you tweet him for that and check in for Cal Poly next week. I want to thank you all for listening, and it's time for the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho, to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. And congratulations on a great Governor's Cup Eastern Washington.